Okay, so welcome back to the um, to the Locker Room Podcast here from Daily Sports Science. I'm delighted today to be joined on a different type of podcast. I haven't, I don't think I've heard too much of its kind. Um, and it was an idea that myself and Kieran had to go forward. So no better men to be joining me today for this goalkeeper um, expert coaches roundtable. I guess we've got uh, Liam Swift with us, who's played as a as played as a goalkeeper, county minor with Monaghan. He's got 10 years coaching experience with many clubs across many different counties, Dublin, Mayo, Monaghan, Cavan, Tyrone, Donegal, and potentially Galway if the season gets uh, kicking up next season. Obviously, uh, also had inter-county experience from a coaching uh, perspective, Monaghan devo- development squads, Dublin, Monaghan, and Tyrone senior ladies, and two years with Fermanagh seniors as well. Um, currently holds an IFA goalkeeper diploma and a GKC license with the FAI. And the next step is the UEFA B uh, goalkeeper course. And most importantly, Liam recently come on board with us at DSS and doing a lot of online um, goalkeeper stuff, which we're very grateful for and some great stuff going on there. Is there anything I've missed out? Anything you want to jump in and add add to me or correct me? No, Ross, that's, uh, that's quite extensive. But all right. <laughs> I had to cut it a little bit as it is. So you, you've got loads of stuff in there, but Liam, welcome to the show. And thank you very much for coming on today. Thank you, Ross. Thank you. Um, delighted also to be um, joined by Chris Kerr. So was a player for many years for his home club in Antrim, St. Gauls, and played for uh, Intercounty for Antrim for 11 years as well. And just chatting before the show, played against us when we was involved at London, um, beat us there in Ryslip, over 100 caps for Intercounty team and was captain in 2017. As well as that, um, Chris is currently interested in SNC. He's uh, doing a BSc in SNC at Titanta College and is also NSS. NSCS qualified. So a real interesting background there, Chris, from player, goalkeeper, great experience, and now going into the physical physical prep side. Yeah, no, thanks for having us, um, Ross. And yeah, it's one of those things I just think moving, I was lucky enough to sort of play and, and watch the position evolve. So you can see the, the difference in, in how the, the position has um, come on since I started playing, really. For sure, and and a couple of injuries, back-to-back ACL injuries, which maybe took you down the SNC pathway. Yeah, I, I probably already had a, an interest in that, but um, I suppose just when coming probably to the twilight years of my playing career, starting to think, you know, now how the how can you pass that on to to, to try and avoid for potential goalkeepers to avoid doing the injury. You know, it's not like a a wee hamstring tweak where you can get a wee massage and that's it. Like, you know, it's you're in it for the long haul rehab way. So, um, yeah, tough enough, but um, halfway through the second rehab now and going right there. Good. Great stuff. Great stuff. Okay, gents, I think we'll uh, we'll jump straight in. So, I think I'll come over to you, Liam, first. First question I've got on topic to discuss is the goalkeeper a neglected position when it comes to coaching? And I, I don't mean to the goalkeeper coach who works with the goalie, because I know the GK union is very tight and very strong and it's hard to separate that. But as, a, as an overall, from a coaching perspective, myself, outfield coach, and you guys, your experiences, is it neglected? Um, not as much now, Ross. Um, those 10 years ago when I was started coaching, um, there was nothing available, absolutely nothing. Um, even go back to... When I played with the, the Monaghan County Miners, no goalkeeping coaches whatsoever. Absolutely nothing. You were two in there. Well, obviously, you would have played, played with the club to get picked for the county and stuff. But even go back to the to me home club at the time, Monaghan Harps, I had one goalkeeping session with, we were lucky enough, we had the county goalkeeper at the time, which Declan McCarthy, took me for one session. That's all I ever got as, as a young keeper growing up. Um, 
you know um now nowadays it's it's a lot different um i think most county setups have, have a goal team coach in place and a lot of county development squads will have goal team coaches in place but then when you get out into club level that's where it starts to to fall apart a wee bit um yes some top level clubs have a goalkeeping coach in place whether it's the next goalkeeper coming in to to give his um experience and sort of coaching on to the young keepers um but it's definitely it's definitely changed now from what it was 10 10 years ago i'm sure chris could could back me up on that one because i'm sure when he was growing up there wasn't a whole time happening there either yeah, what's your thoughts, Chris? And and just on the flip side of that, so that if there is more goalkeeper provision from a specialist goalkeeper coach, do you feel that neglected a little bit from management in terms of coaching now, coaching detail on, on the grass? Like, is it kind of all led down to the goalkeeper coach? Um, yeah, I, I think, as Liam said there, when first starting off, maybe with St. Gauls, um, I was very lucky to have been sort of down the packing order in terms of, you know, we had a Antrim number one goalkeeper at the time. And also Fermanagh, number one goalkeeper at the time, was, was playing at St. Gaul. So I was lucky enough to sort of learn off them. And, you know, and they were being sort of, they had goalkeeper coaches at Antrim. So they were sort of relaying that in the R club. So in that sense, um, it wasn't too bad But um, for myself. But um, just on what Liam's saying, it definitely, I think as time has went on, it's progressed. You were probably growing up, a lot of people were reliant on, you know, the, the older goalkeepers return and then maybe trying to, put back in again to their, their own clubs and stuff. Um, but it's definitely most most teams, most clubs um, have goalkeeper coaches now. And, and definitely with the, the way the position has has changed and evolved, um, it, it's it's a vital position. You're an individual in a team. So, you know, you need your own individual sort of looking after. For sure. It's great to see that it's come on, come on so well. I think that's reflected in, in a lot of performances and the way the game's evolved, for sure. I think as well, sorry, Ross, cool. no, just on, oh, sorry, it uh, was just, I think in terms of goalkeeping coaching, I just, I, I get, I sort of got that impression that it's not that people don't, didn't want to do it. It's just that they didn't know why, you know, they'd never walked that path of doing goals. You know, everyone has their idea of doing goals until you don't really know until you've put the boots or gloves on and sort of walk that path too to have a, a, so I think a lot of managers sort of stay away from it because they're not too sure, but, um, it's definitely having someone there that has their coaching behind them um, can definitely can definitely help them and open their eyes and, and ears to what really goes on. Like. For sure, for sure. No, 100% agree. Sticking with you, Chris, so why are you so passionate about goalkeeping? Like, did you, did you start out as a goalkeeper player or did you start outfield? Because a lot of in soccer, a lot of times they start as outfield players and then at some point they, they go in goal for whatever reason. A bit of both. I, 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 you can't obviously see me sitting down now, but I'm quite tall, like, and I've always been quite tall. Like, um, I think just started off, sort of, you were in and out of goals and playing outs, and then it sort of went from about under 10, where you were really pressing me into goals. And um, not pressing me in, but I kept being picked in goals, and I used to think I was being put in there because it was rubbish. But um, it probably was, but they, they told me differently. But uh, they, uh, and then it just sort of, materialized it was I was obviously growing I'm six five now like so um you know just and then I started enjoying just not chasing people you know I was playing Gaelic soccer hurling and I just I just hated the thought of running after someone or getting stuck on someone really quick and 
um, it, it just went from there, like, and um, yeah, I do I love it, like, because I dip, I would have went between soccer and Gaelic as well, you know, growing up and, and right up until probably the the first ACL injury, like, so, um, yeah, and I, I do really enjoy it, like, and I think both of them transfer well with each other, like, you know, you can, um, I'm sure that's what Liam will, will vouch for that, you know, in his coaching sessions and that, um, there is a lot of transfer in in both, like. For sure. And Liam, yourself, how did you come about in terms of being really passionate about goalkeeping? Um, passionate? Jesus, passionate to me <laughs> would, be, would be an understatement, Ross. Um, it's I absolutely live and breathe it. You know what I mean? Um, I suppose how I sort of started off was, I sort of remember when I was actually doing a bit of research in this the other day, was that I was about 11 or 12, and I remember playing at school, and one of the boys just says, Swift, you jump in the goals there, and I hadn't a clue, you know, and somebody took a shot, and I remember just, I remember just saving it. Um, and from that day on, I was always putting goals, and it just always just I don't know what it was about the position, and um, I always felt 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 very important, or very a good part of the team because I could actually help them along the way. You know what I mean? Um, you know, and in regards and things nowadays, like there's not probably a minute goes past the day where I'm thinking, what can I do more to improve my coaching? You know, I I watch a lot of. A lot of Gaelic games back, and I, I go to a lot of well previous to lockdown, go to a lot of a lot of games, and I I actually physically go behind the goals, and I watch goalkeeping warm ups, I watch goalkeeping um the run ups, the kick out routines, the footwork, the handling. I I I go probably to the bone with it, and I'll take a few wee mental notes and I will read a few wee notes on my phone and things like that. Um, so to me, it's it's a passion for us. It's it's something I love. It's something that I like to give back, but I, I, I didn't I didn't get it as a kid. And now I get a drive now that I can the knowledge that I have now is past 10, 11 years doing this, and I can pass that on to, to young kids. To me, it's I, I actually get a great kick out of that. You know, it's a real passion for me, definitely. Sure, cheers, Liam. And just jumping on what Chris said there, and I'm sure you both got um ideas this. How much influence from a goalkeeper perspective, coaching wise, has come from you guys call it soccer, uh, football for me. But yeah, how much has come from who maybe had that goalkeeper provision maybe earlier, um, chronologically? What's your thoughts on that, Liam? Um, you mean so sort of has in the the coaching has in the, the difference between the both setups or? Yeah, just in terms of like the goalkeeper coaching soccer would have probably been there maybe longer, further back. There might have been a oh, specialist definitely. there. Oh, as, and even yeah. the practices that you do, is, do you think it's hugely transfer, like, transferable and it's come mainly from that? Or do you think it's slightly different in the way it's done? In um, I suppose, like, like, initially I would have done my, my soccer goalkeeping badge because there's nothing in the Gaelic, in the Gaelic board, board for, for goalkeeping coaches. There's nothing, not, even the ladies game is trying to start something up, but there's nothing. There's nothing on the main side of it um, for goalkeeping coaching. So for me to to be able to go and you know, suppose when I read in this story, it's I had went and done a lot of research and how do I go and qualify myself to be able to stop and fix keepers and stuff like that. So obviously I had to go down the, the soccer route with things. Um and regarding transfer to Gaelic, yes, there is a lot of stuff within the soccer setup that we do bring into the Gaelic, but then there's other things that um, you know. It's very seldom I would do a session on teaching the keeper to dive into the top corner. Because it doesn't it doesn't happen in Gaelic football. You know, I mean it's very seldom you'll see a keeper taking that big massive shape in the top corner. Nine times out of ten, he's standing up tall and you're sort of learning to take that, take that shot as a reflex sort of sort of action. So um that would probably be the only thing that 
that it would really do the gated board would be that the fancy one into the top corner. You know what I mean? Fair enough. Chris, what's your thoughts on that, Chris? Definitely, I, the, the big one for me in terms of the, the transfer was definitely footwork. You know, sort of lucky enough, um, with, with playing with Antrim, there was a couple of Irish League um, soccer goalkeepers that were really good out the field players. Um, Sean O'Neill is Crusaders goalkeeper. Brian Neeson played for Cliftonville. Um, both really quick feet. And they would have jumped in the odd time just with, and, and Sean played goals as well. And it was only them, and I realised how quick their feet were going through it looking through different drills, I was like, um, you know, that was the big thing I then started trying to work on, you know, um, and Daphne, Daphne paid, paid dividends, like I think just the reflexes, um, and then even when you're, like, obviously kicking, catching and, and saving are all, all transferable, you're going to do all three, obviously, um, albeit, um, as Liam said there, it's a lot of point blank, probably, you know, standing up tall, um, there's not the big, you know, camera saves around the where you tip one over the crossbar and because you give away a point uh people will eat you for it like but um but i, I do it definitely i i, I would have i enjoyed playing soccer sort of in the off season um between the gaelic end and, and starting again always felt it just kept you sharp and, and on your toes like so um done no harm enjoyed it no for sure and i think it's um from my experience of watching both there's there's less of those reflex saves in the Gaelic. It's more around the kickouts, but it's that moment where you could stop a goal, for example, and that could be the difference between winning and losing the game, right? So it's that you train those kind of volumes and that sort of footwork stuff for that specific moment that you might need it. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. If you look at Ross, Ross sorry, I'm just gonna. If you look at sort of the futsal goalkeeper nowadays, mm-hmm. you watch the same thing, mate. You yeah. know, they're going out into the K and they're spreading themselves big and stuff. So something like that is transferable into the into the Gaelic yeah. world. You know, yeah, so yeah. I would do bits and pieces of that as well. For sure. We we always had, well, Kieran always brought in uh, soccer goalkeeper coaches, I guess, who who knew the GAA. AD Creamer was our one for four or five years. So, yeah, I, I think there's massive transfers between the two. I'm amazed, guys, that like the coaching badges in the GA aren't at inter-county level, aren't mandatory and aren't there for those selectors and coaches to to not have to get but to be able to attain like in in the in the soccer world over here you have to have a certain ua for b you know swifty you're going on it um to to be in a certain position in the academy and ua for a for first year, whatever it is i'm amazed that that hasn't happened yet do you think that will happen at some point it's a it's a it's a tough one ross um i suppose if you if you look around say the 32 counties in, in ireland and and you pull the goalkeeping coaches together and just off my sort of knowledge on it, you might have five, six that actually hold physical um goalkeeping coaching qualification, mm. you know, to coach at that at that high level. Um so and if, you know, I, I really think it is that that it is needed in the game, you know, to be able to stop and fix certain problems. And it's the same as, as probably in, it's in the soccer world, if you're stopping and fixing certain things, bang, 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 straight away. And it's the same in goalkeeping when you're doing your coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, is that you need to be able to do that stop and fix why are you doing this we need to do this you know and to be able to know why you have to do certain things as in the stop and fix so to me I think it's it's definitely something that GA should look into mm-hmm. is even if it was a fundamental course just so keepers are getting the basics the basics right um, and then obviously if you go into coaching county level if there was another level onto that brilliant you know what I mean yeah. so yeah, Chris, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, Daphne, um, I think, sort of mentioned earlier, a lot of teams and a lot of our county teams or clubs really rely on 
you know, ex-goalkeepers um, that played in that team or played or in and around a county um, to come in and do that. You know, even even ourselves with Antrim, you know, the goalkeeper before me for maybe 15, 20 years was Sean McGreevy, and he came in as our goalkeeping coach. So, and Sean done the same. He played soccer and Gaelic. So, um, you were relying on on coaches like that, um, you know, to come in. I know John Devane, who was an All-Ireland winner with Tyrone, went in with Tyrone. Um, so, I think a lot of teams were really reliant on sort of, the, you know, past players or, or big name past players as well, like to go in there, like. Sure. And I think that still counts for a huge amount. They have, their knowledge and understanding of the game is, is huge. But I think just something that they could maybe get or, you know, strive towards to be officially accredited, I guess, in, in what they have might be something to look into. Um, yeah, big time. You marry the both. You're, you're on the winner, like. You know. Exactly, exactly. Um, I thought, gents, what we'll try and do is try and go through a four-corner approach. So we'll go like technical, tactical, physical, psych, social, and there'll be crossover, of course, and it'll go down different ways. But I guess we've kind of already touched upon the technical work. Within goalkeeper training, and I'm sure you guys have done it as a player and also coaching, and I've seen, Liam, your work online is very similar to this. There's a lot of technical, what I call close skill practices. So very technically based, lots of repetitions of whatever skill you're working on. How important is this skill? And I'll start with you first, Liam. How important is this? And talk a little bit about certain methods that you have. Do you have certain times you work for, certain amount of repetitions you work for within a particular practice, um, and, and just a bit of info you do within your coaching? Um, basically, my, my type of coaching um, would be, I'd be very inquisitive, and I, I would question keepers quite a bit. And that's really because I want to know what they know. You know what I mean? And I could fire questions at them why do you need to step out your dive, et cetera, and get their answers off them, just to pick their brain to see what to see what see what they're thinking and to see that they understand what I'm trying to get across to them. Um and regarding we've gone into sessions and stuff, um, I'm not a big believer in loads of repetitions. I don't believe in in flogging a keeper, you know, and, and draining them out because he's not he's not learning, you know, because he, he's getting tired and Etc. So any sort of drills I would want to keep it through any skill set, probably max would probably be five to six, and then we might progress it on to something else. Um, and that's the way I would. I, I don't, you know, there's I've seen sessions of people doing where, where keepers are absolutely knackered, but they're not fit to do the next stage of the of the drills. Yeah. Um, so that's probably the way I would I would operate most of my sessions. And again, the way I I coach. Um, I finally find get more out of it by, by quizzing the keepers quite a bit. I'm not going to go there and spout out a load of, a load of stuff. I want to know what they know. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting to say that, Liam, because uh, we had a guy here who's academy manager, Perry Suckling, his name was, used to play former pro, um, head of goalkeeping at Tottenham. He used to always say he used very minimal equipment, so he, he didn't have many cones. Many, you know, you see some goalkeeper coaches with all the, the bells and whistles, and he said it's all about quality because in a game, top whack you might get two or three reflex saves maybe once every five games so mm-hmm. you need to make sure the quality of work is there but you see so many keepers doing like a minute of diving left and right and like you say flogging them and, and you have to question it a little bit um from your experiences chris what's your what's your takes on that and anything else from the the goalkeeper specific technical work that you think is important and, and have helped you i guess in your career yeah i think um when it comes to obviously the you know, diving and stuff, I think Liam is, is right there, you know, 68 reps, I would always think in my head, like, you know, um, just 
three to four each side. You know, mm-hmm. I think uh, like I, I've been on the receiving end of standing there and goals, as you're saying, maybe not quite a minute. They probably would have needed a defib, but maybe like 20, 30 shots, you know. And in the back of my head, I, Liam, not, not that I was saying it, but during that, I was sort of inquisitive going, and then I started, you know, asking, going, why would we, why are we doing 20 shots or, or you know, back to back? That's not going to happen in a game. If that happens in a game, either I've badly messed up or someone else has. And I just think, you know, doing, doing really quality reps, you know, is, 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 is king. Um, I think if you're, you're flogging people, the quality starts going out of it. Uh, their technique is all over the place. And then you're opening the window for injury as well, I think as well, when people genuinely don't know what they're doing. Um, so I would always, I would always go with the, you know, quality over, over quantity. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely um, top of the list. Perfect. And I think even like you guys have said, five to six or six to eight reps, you're still overloading what you would do in a match because you want to yeah. develop the skill. So you're still getting your overload, but it's just, it's not excessive. You, like you say, you're working on the, the technical aspects. Yeah. Um, you're doing 68 in a, in a training session. Then when it comes to a game, it feels, feels easy. I yeah, always think, you know, or easy early. So moving on from that then, so Liam, I've seen a lot of stuff you've done in terms of breaking down kicking. So especially a massive part in the GA for, from, from, yeah. you know, goal kicks and stuff. Like, how important is this work that we break it down, and how important is it that we get goalkeepers actually doing certain movements the right way? And I know there's different ways to do things, but there's, mm. there's going to be some key coaching points that you guys have you want to get across. Oh, how definitely. Important is it? Yeah. Um, and you probably see what I've been doing at the minute. Um, at the minute, I'm doing because of the lockdown, and I can't get access to any of the keepers I'm involved with. Um, and some of the keepers I've never worked with before. So at the minute, we're doing. Um, They'll send me clips of their of their kickouts using using huddle technique. I will do a Zoom call and we'll do the analysis of the kickout over Zoom. Um, you know, and that's that to me is you know, because a lot of keepers will never watch their own kicker kicking technique. And they're absolutely amazed at the wee bits you can pick out. Um, even as we got like said there was one of them last night where the keeper keeper's foot was sort of before the before the ball, so he was catching his kick. On the up, so he needed to get his foot planted in line with the ball. Yeah. You know I mean? So um, there are sort of things we 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 picked out on, on that. But again, the technical part of the on kickout, um, uh, it has changed so much now. We're, we're back back years ago. You were putting the ball on a big monkey divot and you were kicking it as far as you could, and nobody cared where it went. We're now where the game has changed. Yes, you need that long kick, you need the medium kick, and you need your short kick, and you need that that drive. Kick out as well, which there are, there's three kickouts keepers have to have to learn the three different three different techniques. For you sure, such a, such a variation of kickouts, and now if possible, playing off both feet, it just opens options up both sides of the pitch, doesn't it? Chris, what what's your experiences in terms of someone like? Did you get a lot of technical info from good ex players and from coaches around the technical details of how to do certain things? Yeah, I think from from Norwich, I always had this. You know, ability to kick really long. So the long kick was always something I had in the artillery, say, um, playing soccer and Gaelic. Um, but it was more when the game, you know, it was probably 2010 before it all really kicked off. I remember with St. Gauls, and we would have a big history of playing sevens football where a lot of short kickouts and retaining the ball. And um, and I was lucky enough, Ronan Gallagher was the Fermanagh goalkeeper at the time. And 
probably I could always probably kick longer than Ronan, but it was his accuracy um, of kicking short, that medium kick, that 45, 50 meter, um, somebody on the run where I was sort of like, like I was like mouth wide open, like just going, how's he hitting this on the money each time? But it was his, his run up was exactly the same, the amount of steps. Um, and that was, I was lucky enough in that sense um, with learning, learning from Ronan, who was, you know, a top goalkeeper for Fermanagh and, and St. Gauls. Um, it, it was a good learning curve. Sure. It's, it's not just with goalkeeping across the board. I think coaching sometimes lacks the, the technical detail. And that's something that I think goalkeepers probably do quite well because they work with such smaller numbers and they can focus a bit more on, on the individual. Here, here's one for you both. So because of the provision now we've got, it's become a bit more specialist with the goalkeeper doing their stuff for this 45 an hour, whatever it is, each training session. Has it swung a bit too much one way? Should we, I'm thinking more of like the Dutch philosophy where at very young until 13, 14, the goalkeepers train half their time with the outfield to get, like you said, Chris, with foot pattern work and basic technical principles. Do you think we've gone a bit too far one way? Do we need a bit more of a blend of them training with the outfield team? Or or do you think we're on the right trajectory? It, I think that goes, comes from depending on the manager as well, you know, isn't it? You have to go with what the sort of boss <laughs> says like, but um, I think I'm a big believer that goalkeepers, especially now, should should definitely be involved in, in outfield drills to a degree because you look at even um, goalkeepers nowadays as well, they're, they're athletes, they look like outfield players. Um, you know, a lot of them play out the field for their clubs and, with the rule change last year with, you know, you were able to kick the ball out and take it back. That sort of, I feel, robbed a, a few teams and, and Tyrone being one of them probably, you know, now I've watched a lot of Tyrone club football and uh, now Morgan is a super goalkeeper, but he's just as good out the pitch for his club. Um, and you can see that the way he carries the ball, he, he looks like an outfield player. And I think that it instills trust into the team that, you know, they, they've seen you train and, and play out the field. And they're happy enough to give the ball back to you if you know if you're trying to work the ball up the pitch or up through the, the lanes, even in, in soccer. So um I would definitely think there's a lane, you know. I think it's you know, if there's a there's loads of running and a lot of you know aerobic, you know, long distance running, um, you know, real flogging session as you get a lot of managers will do. I don't there's not a there's not an awful lot of goalkeepers going to gain from that, but Definitely, in terms of small sided games, um, I would I would definitely be all for that. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, um, I sort of you know, and again, what Chris was saying there about, about managers and coaches and stuff. Um, I sort of try my best to liaise with with the management team, regardless of the team with the day before, as in what's what's their session plan, and if it, if it doesn't involve the goalkeepers, then obviously I have them for the session, but. If it does involve them, then I will obviously take them 30 minutes previous to the action session starting. So so they're not they're not losing out on getting their specific position coaching. And then they can go in and they can join the team sessions, which you know I think it's great that they that they can do that. Um, but I still think if at all possible and the goalkeeping coach is there, that they still get a wee bit. But again, liaise with the manager and get that done before the session can start itself. Yeah, for sure. I think you both hit the nail on the head. It's, it's about the balance, isn't it? And and also, like you said, especially in Gaelic from my time being involved there, 
you can it's an extra number on the field for you if you, if you especially against a high press if you need another option if the goalkeeper's comp, confident receiving skills been able to travel with the ball not crazy i mean i've seen goalkeepers score points but you're not talking that extreme but um just gives you trust doesn't it chris like you said and, and instills confidence in your back line definitely yeah big time i i, I felt that and again as i said touch on some goals we have a, a rich um Seven's history um, and would, would, would have always been um, certain times of the year where that was definitely in our training and I, I always enjoyed that side of it you know it, it's you know your works on everything like your handling you know your decision making if someone's closing you down and stuff and I, I, I think it's um, you know as you say there's a balance um, and also the, the time of year with with the coach as well you know as as games become thick and fast you're going to be with you know, probably more and more with the team working on set plays and, and whatever it may be. But mm-hmm. I think there's a time where, you know, you sh- it, definitely pre-season, you know, you get a good lot of, you get a block of quality working with a, a goalkeeper coach. For sure. No, 100%. Well, that leads us quite nicely onto the tactical stuff then. So thinking obviously within our own kickouts, is they're, they're pivotal in it and it's essential. But in general, so within a tactical setup, how important is the goalkeeper? And I'm thinking of, all different scenarios when the ball's at the other end of the field. Um, you know, like you said, they're different set piece scenarios. How important is the goalkeeper within a, a tactical setup of a team? I'll come to you, Liam, first. Um, oh God, it's massive. It's massive for us. Um, and again, it's something we, I probably touched on earlier on regarding, regarding the kicking thing is that I said years ago, it was kick the big divot into the ground, put the ball on it and dump it up the ground, dump mm-hmm. it up the field, sorry. Now it's 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 completely different. Your goalkeeper now is, is as Chris is backing up in this. Your goalkeeper now, especially the modern day one, he's your quarterback. He's he's your main man. He's you no know, he's your main man, you know. And then obviously playing out players at the field, you need the movement. Um and then you obviously decision making has where your kick out and set is going to go. But again, the communication thing is is massive, absolutely massive. Um again, you said Ross with the ball but up the other end of the field. Keeper's job to keep the full back line, half back line on their toes to, to preempt whatever might happen. So to me, it's 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 absolutely massive. Um we've all that, especially the kicking, the kicking end of things nowadays. I and mean, you know, we'll probably get on a bit about the kicking, but to me it's it's so important nowadays. Yeah. Um, so it's it's huge, isn't it? And it can and it can invite pressure if it's not going so well. Who who's in charge? So like you've got good movement from from different units outside the pitch. The keeper's in charge of when he plays it. I mean, he's on the ball. Who calls different plays, or how, yeah, how, how do you it's see kinda, that? It's kind of you know a lot of a lot of teams do it differently. Um, if if we take we take Stephen Cluxton there, okay, and and a lot of people have been talking about oh how does Stephen Cluxton, you know, the kickout strategies etc. But it's really quite simple if you look at it. Um, yes, he does full back legs, half back legs, two midfielders, okay, and if they're all moving, okay. And, and I've spoke to Stephen about this um, about two years ago. He always has two options out of them eight people to kick them. And when you sit back and look at it, then it's like, oh, God, it does happen. It does happen. You know what I mean? And then there was a game on during the lockdown um, on TV. Um, I think it was Dublin against me. And Steve went to go and take his kick. And the movement wasn't happening. The first thing you heard with him saying was, move again, move again. You know, so that's thinking the players. Yes, the first one's not happening, so they have to make the second one to give him an option for his kickout. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's massive, you know. 
I'm sure I'm sure they work on well you know they're the best in the business at it but his trigger of going putting the ball placing the ball down is their trigger to move isn't it so that, exactly. it's all kind of working together what yeah. about you Chris different scenarios tactical you played how important is your role with, within within that whole team function yeah um from my point of view I just tell everyone that it's a really important role like and I think um I think it definitely as the positions evolve there's more and more you see now even during lockdown how much nearly verbal schoolkeeper gets um, during, a, during a kickout. So you can see how much teams actually focus on um, on trying to disrupt and, and break in, especially with the modern day rules too, with the, the likes of the mark and stuff. Um, it's, a, it's a massive it's a massive possession each time. Um, as Liam said, it's not just a matter of looking for the tallest man in the pitch and um, taking the, the O'Neill sign off the ball. Um, you know, everything's... everything's I, I personally, I like to look up and see a picture, you know, as opposed to I think when you're making signals or, or your 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 call, you're you're more or less asking the spotlight to be on me, more or less saying, I'm going to make it, I'm doing something here. So selectors and all can pick up on that. I think when when you look up and obviously, Liam alluded to there with with Cluxton, especially in Croke Park, with that noise, it's impossible to make calls. So so he it's obviously triggered when he puts the ball down. He looks for a picture. And he, you know, he'll have an option or two each time. Like so, it's. Um, I think as well, what, what a lot of teams get caught up in as well, and it's it's something I actually seen this morning is in terms of a, a a runner actually I follow. Like, it all depends on the goalkeeper too. You know, I think a lot of coaches and managers will be automatically say, right, we're going to kick the way Dublin kick, or we're going to kick the way Rory Began kicks, or Nell Morgan, whoever it may be. But they, they mightn't have that caliber of goalkeeper. So it all comes down to you know what you have like you know you're not you're not going to give a donkey a racehorse program and you're not going to give a racehorse a donkey program so i think it all i think it all sort of i think if anyone is switched on they'll they'll evaluate what they have first and foremost and go right what can we what can we do here and what, what what's the best plan to work with what we have got um i think it's i think it puts a lot of pressure on people where they go you know managers are you know referencing stephen cluxton yeah. and Patton, morgan Chris Kerr, maybe. I don't know if they're ever doing that. But <laughs> what are you joking? But you know what I mean? In terms of um, it, it, it's difficult and that puts a lot of pressure on. You know, I've seen club goalkeepers fold when 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 that happens. Like so I think you have to be wary of what you have, their strengths, their weaknesses, and obviously try and try and work on them to, to bring them up. I think that's a great point, Chris. I think that's not just for the goalkeeper, I think that's across the whole team. I like know what players you got, they, their strengths and and set your yeah. game plan up from there. Um yeah. No, spot on. I think kickouts obviously pivotal and huge. I think, but also as you mentioned, the out of possession stuff in soccer is a bit um, bit prevalent because the goalkeeper can squeeze the back four up, so you've got more space in behind to command. Obviously in Gaelic, there's no offside, but even like you said, Liam, talking to the defend the, the full back line essential. They're the spare man. They can see everything. If if the play is developing on one side, are we shuffling across things like that? I think the goalkeeper has such an important role that it's probably underestimated at times. I think. Um, okay, let's move on to, so, okay, looking a bit more, I'm always very critical, and if, if, you, if you follow me and talk to me, I always ask these, these questions that are probably a little bit open-ended. Open are we, are we optimising the way we work together as staff, so as outfield coaches and goalkeeper coaches? Like I see, I know it goes off into different disciplines, but I see the two skill sets very similar, really. 
are we optimizing the way we work together to develop the goalkeeper in terms of like team function stuff? And as you said, kickouts, they have to be practiced on the, on the training ground to, to, to be good and come into matches. Or do we, do we feel, I often sometimes feel that there's a little bit of a divide in terms of the goalkeeper coach will fix anything with the goalie. And then the other coaches and selectors will fix from kind of defense and fullback line upwards. Do we think we can get better at that? Or do we think that it, obviously it's going to be based on your experiences or do we think we're, at the moment it's okay? I'll come to you first, Liam. Okay, so just sort of go back to the point that, that Chris made in regarding to the, your kickouts and, and the keeper being able to do certain certain kickouts. So obviously the team have to adapt to to his his kicking abilities. Um, and that's where sort of your goalkeeping coach and your outfield coaches will start to liaise mm-hmm. um, regarding your 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 kickout strategies. So to me, it's 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 a very important relationship as the goalkeeping coach and the manager slash the, the outfield coaches. You can't be seen as the goalkeeping unit down in the corner of the pitch doing the thing. You know, to me, it's it's very important that, that for me personally, that I have a good relationship with the outfield coaches as regarding the system to play and regarding what, what they're expecting of, of my goalkeeper. So it is a very important relationship to me. Yeah, no, good point, Liam. Chris, your experiences? I think it's um, obviously getting them on board with thinking, you know, everyone thinks a kick out, a goalkeeper setting the ball down, it's the goalkeeper. I think when um, when people actually open their open their mind up to actually the bigger picture and think, I'm looking up and I see a, a defender running. I know if he wants the ball or not. It's token runs. It's running with, if you're running for the ball, the dubs do it. Obviously, everyone's running with intent that there's six to eight people look like they want the ball. So I think it's 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 massive that that communication is there down through the coaches that you're you're relaying that this cornerback is 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 running. You know they might have a, a set up strategy. You know, but if he's going to run like that, a corner forward, even me, four months into an ACL injury, would be able to catch him. You know, it, I think it's the running with intent. It's it's how people are moving, and it's obviously if you if you're not communicating that through the lanes, and come a match day, you're going to be like a you know rabbit in headlights. Um, I think when that's replicated on the pitch, then you, you get that sort of buy-in as well throughout all the coaches, and and more importantly, the players when the when the pressure comes on. Yeah, totally agree. A quick story now. So when we did our UEFA B, uh, a guy called Eric Steele, who worked for Sir Alex Ferguson, um, was a goalkeeper coach for years. Um, he did a part of the goalkeeping. There's a goalkeeper element even to the outfield one. And it was amazing. He set up um, set up a team function and he could take all the way through to a small side of the game. He was, he was a goalkeeper coach, but he could take the session, you know, and he could affect um, players high up the pitch, the forward line. He could affect the midfield line. He can give good detail to the back line and the goalkeeper. Do we think goalkeepers, coaches are well equipped to do that in general and vice versa? Do we think outfield coaches are equipped enough to be able to give good technical info to goalkeepers at this current across the board? What do you think, Liam, from your from your perspective? Um, do, 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 it's um, just one wee second. Um, it's, it's sort of, I think, me as a goalkeeper coach get into it. I've been interviewed with slopes and managers said to me, right, Liam, get these players moving. Get them because they're not moving to kick out just that and, and there is there is a system that I go through um regarding goalkeeper kicking doing the kickouts. Um you know how you sort of have them starting kicking with kicking out to six six defenders. You know, there's nobody there's nobody marking etc. You know, so you're getting your movement happening and you can build that up where you sort of have keeping up to six feet three you'll see attackers coming in. So he still has three options to kick to mm-hmm. um, and you just keep building up six feet six and then you can bring in your midfielders. And that's where it's get tight, and that's where you start getting your 
getting your keeper to um, make make the decisions, then you can stop it and you can find out of why your half back is not moving into certain areas and things. Um, probably goalkeeping coach will probably go as far as midfield, regarding what happens the other end of the field. No, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be in my remit to, to involve that part of it, especially with with GAS. Um, when I'm doing my soccer badges, it's 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 a massive thing. Um, because the way that changed now is that I'm coaching the goalkeeper for the goalkeeper to coach the people in front of me and, and so forth up the field. So regarding the GA part of it, I'd probably stop it, stop it midfield. Stop it in the field. Um, and how would you feel if uh, if another coach or selector or even the manager like gave technical info to a goalkeeper? So not not just about kickouts, but also maybe catching high ball and gave some like would that affect you personally, or would you be okay with that? Um, well, tough one, Ross. Tough one. Um, basically, I think that you need if you want to coach a goalkeeper, I think you have to play the position mm-hmm. to know to know the keeper's mindset of why why he's doing certain things. Um. Again, go back to probably, you know, they're taking me in there to fix to fix these problems. You know what I mean? I'm not going out to fail to fix why 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 an outfield player is not doing his kick pass properly. That's that's the outfield coaches problem to do that. If there's a goalkeeping problem, let's let the coach say to me, it's looking swiftly. Um Chris is not doing this right on the right hand side, etc. I probably picked up already, and then we go and we fix that issue. Mm-hmm. The way I would look at it. Yeah, Chris, what's your views on that? I think a lot of it comes down to confidence too, Ross. You know, and as I, as I mentioned at the, at the start of it, I, I don't think it's out of people not, you know, wanting to do it. I think it's just they don't know how. You know, the, you know, the big thing with GEA for years would have been, um, right, we'll train all year, two weeks before championship, we're working on kickouts. <laughs> Seeing the heat of battle and you've, Maybe going to a skill and there's maybe fifteen thousand people hanging over the fence, shouting everything, and you know that all goes out the window very quickly, and people revert back to what they know. So um, I think just having that confidence to be able to do it all year round, um, and obviously the more you do it, just like drills, the more repetition, the better you're going to get at it, and you're going to feel more confident doing it. So um, it's it's a tough one. You know, I think I think there's, there's, you know, I think there's an element where playing the role definitely helps in terms of being a goalkeeper. I mean, if I if I went to try and tell some of the St. Gauls forwards or Antrim forwards how to kick the ball over the bar, I know what it, I wouldn't be able to repeat it. Um, so it's it's a tough one. It depends on the, on the manager too, and I think that all comes down to, to coaching and being a, an all rounder. You know, um, I think you get you get coaches go in as a as a defender and they automatically think this this team's going to be defensive or or a forward or, or whatever it may be so i think it's just being confident to be an all-rounder and um trying trying it out as well like sure no i think you're, you're both spot on i think it's obviously about respecting the role that the the person's in there to do and, and improve but also it's about the the environment that the, the manager creates in terms of what his roles of his staff are and and what skill set you've got in the building i think sometimes there are certain little things that goalkeeper coaches can help across the board if if they've got good knowledge around kick passing and they're working on the technical detail kick passing maybe that's transferable maybe yeah. but I guess it, it takes a staff to be confident in themselves to be able to just intertwine and and pick each other's brains so it's a tricky one Liam sorry I didn't mean to chuck you in there um, right. there's, there's no there's no right answer um, all right let's we'll move on to the physical side um, and Chris I'll start with you as you're as you're kind of embarking on that journey now the SNC mm-hmm. coach and taking it that way um, 
what's your views in terms of the physical work that a goalkeeper needs? And we'll talk a little bit on and off the, off the field, not, not too much specifically off the field in SSC, but maybe some general principles. Um, but where do you see a goalkeeper in terms of the profile that they need? Yeah. Um, well, definitely the way the game has moved now. You even look at body compositions. Um, you know, notoriously, it would have been probably, you would have seen, you know, heavier set people in goals, people that couldn't run out the pitch, who could have a big boot on them, could kick it long. But as you look at, as you look at the, definitely the inter-county scene now um, and, and filtering down the club scene, a lot of goalkeepers are are athletic. You know, they could, you know, they wouldn't look out of place as I, as I mentioned the likes of Nile and Rory and stuff earlier, um, you know, could do, could do just as good a job out the pitch. So um, I think just preparing, preparing ways uh, myself, I always felt that if I, if I was physically fit as in running, my decision-making was better. Uh, my recovery was better from maybe having to make a couple of saves back-to-back or a lot of kickouts back-to-back. Um, I always felt sharper um, just mentally too. Um, which which was a big thing. I don't know if that's just that was me or or is that a, a, across the field? It's everyone's different, obviously. But um, I think obviously strength um, is a big one um, in terms of off the pitch. You know, bilat- bilateral and unilateral. You know, for kicking, you mentioned earlier something I probably started doing in my late twenties. There, and then in my thirties was really working on my my, my left foot. Um, as well so being strong on both feet um, you know all the principles of, of fitness are, are massive now um, for a goalkeeper it's not just a matter of uh, going to nets and you know hopefully keep as many goals out you know it's 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 definitely heading towards more athletic um, goalkeepers you even see it in the in the pro game in, in soccer too you know um, all of them are you know you see when they're swapping jerseys now you're like they look like middleweight boxers you know they're not that good a shape like so yeah. um I think it, it definitely helps um, more agile around the goal. Um, it, it definitely makes sense. Like. Okay, good stuff, Chris. Liam, any thoughts physically, what you'd like from the goalie? Yeah, um, basically, yeah, um, I'd sort of nine times out of ten, obviously, obviously you pre-season and stuff, and um, most any of the teams that I'm with, I will ask the S&T coach to make a specific programme for the, for the goalkeeper. There's no need for him to be the long runs and, and all that sort of stuff. So I sort of pass some of that on, on to the SNC coach. Yes, I do some physical stuff on the pitch, but it won't be as, as excessive as what um, he'd, he'd do with his SNC coach. Um, a bit like the stuff that Chris shared on the on the group um, last week, which I thought was excellent. And uh, I've actually kept it. And it's, it's, it's a great sort of fitness plan for, for keepers. Um, so again, I said, back it up again, I pass this. This is out of my remit, and I kick it over to one of Chris's, Chris's caliber, and he can he can look after that end of things. I was and, um I was very lucky, Ross, in, in terms of playing with Antrim. Some of the AS and C coaches that, that worked with us, um, you know, that probably the, the main one was Mike McGurn, um, would be real renowned in, in Ireland, and you know, he's worked a lot of improved sport in, in England, and um, you know, he works along with Mike Clegg, who's with Man United. So yeah, yeah. I remember when McGurn came in, it was just like it was eye-opening, like, you know, just Stephen, just coming from a professional background, he was with Ireland Rugby for eight years, obviously, and, and rugby, S&C is well ahead of, of GA and even even soccer at, the, at that stage. Um, I remember just going, this is, this is, it was brilliant. Like, it was, you know, you were getting serious. When I was going out on the pitch, I felt, felt like it was kicking better um, and it all, all fed into that. I think even just, 
you know, not even the long runs, but like something I would always think of if heading down the coaching route is even, you know, the change of direction stuff, you know, all within, why not work within the 21 yard lane in terms of that? You know, that's, that's as I said earlier, if you, if you find yourself sprinting out to the 45, either you have badly messed up or someone else has. So I think even working on acceleration, um, you know, 5, 10, 15 meters um, for reactions coming off the lane of a ball breaks and, and whatever it may be. I think I think that's crucial for, for Gaelic goalkeepers. Yeah, spot on, Chris. Um, great, I'm sure you had great experiences and learned loads. And, and just for people that don't know, on for exclusive to our members, so Chris is now putting some S&C programs on there based on his experience and his knowledge that he's getting through the, the stuff. So we thank you for that, Chris. And it's a great resource to go onto, onto the website as well. Um, something that you both uh, touched upon there in slightly different ways is like the long run in the aerobic fitness. Like Chris, you said that if you felt aerobically fitter, you felt sharper and you was able to kick more and recovery. Your probably heart rate was lower at certain points of the game. And then Liam, you kind of said that we've probably moved on a little bit from the long running. So wh- where do we think both of you, it's okay to have different views. Where do we think aerobically, is it important as a, as, as a goalkeeper or is it something we're not too focused on? I don't yeah, think it has to be. It is, it is very important to, for a goalkeeper just to be aerobically fit because um, he has so many different 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 body positions etc. to get into it. So he has to be fit to, to, to do that. Um, so definitely, um, I'll let Chris get into the technical part of things, but me personally, there have to be, yeah, definitely aerobic fitness is, is probably less for me for that, definitely. I definitely think there has to be a base. Ross, you know, I think I don't think it would be the, the you know top of the pile for a goalkeeper to be you know top of the the mass running or the tempo runs, but I think to have a good base, um, it wouldn't be top of the ladder, you know, if you were training a goalkeeper. But I think if if a goalkeeper has a good aerobic base, then when they are getting in to a goalkeeper coach, um, the likes of Liam, if they're getting into those six to eight repetitions of highly explosive diving or really quick kickouts, then you're going to recover quicker. You know, it all feeds into one another. And um, I definitely think there's a place for it. I don't think that um, where I would always find myself at the back of, you know, the long runs, um, gasping for air, I think those days are probably <laughs> probably gone. Um, but there's definitely, definitely a place for it in terms of um, recovery. And as I said myself, from a personal point of view, I always felt sharper. I always felt... Um, I always felt like all my, you know, my technical stuff was was probably better too. Then I was kicking better. I was able to, you know, get up out of positions and stuff. And I always would always try and do a bit um, aerobically. No, I think you're spot on. I think um, I think the camps of just getting someone explosive and strength and power as a goalkeeper. I think that only takes you so far. That's really important. The agility, the power, of course. But I think you're 100. They need some aerobic base to be able to to perform and and have that overall physical profile. So great stuff. Uh, we, we spoke a little bit earlier about the, the physical, the physicality of the session. So like we spoke that maybe the, the flogging and sometimes some goalkeeper sessions are, are too much, they're too excessive from a physical perspective. Like how hard would you work your players? I'm just thinking on a basic scale of one to 10, like would you have different, different times of the week where it would be a tough session from a goalkeeper perspective or would you keep that all to the S&C, um, Liam? Um, Basically, regarding my goalkeeping sessions, if I'm with a team, say full time, um, the Tuesday session would be, I'm not saying the, the toughest session, but that's where we'd get, get a walk in, would be say, the, the, the beginning of the week. Um, and I don't think that there's these pitch sessions are too excessive, you know, because keepers are, 
Keepers are like sponges. They're, they're so eager to learn. There's so many different aspects of the game that, that always needs improvement. Um, so I, I don't, you know, to me, keeper has to keep getting his wee bit of work in. And then Jordan said, say the Thursday session before the game, that's the that's the taper down with me. Where we will will talk, we'll sorry, actually go through our goalkeeping warm up. So we know when we hit the pitch on Saturday or Sunday, what our warm up is going to entail. Um, and then obviously we're going to go into a bit of kicking with the team. You know what I mean? Um, things like that. So, you know, and again, if 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 you've a good goalkeeping coach in there, you have he knows the aspects of the game that the keeper has to be working on. You know what I mean? So it doesn't like even the Tuesday session can be a nice, not to a nice week session, but it can be a bit of pace and a bit of a bit of breathing involvement, but yet he's learning the game on the Tuesday. And he's always been learning again on the Thursday. So. Yeah. So essentially the the phys- it's not essential that a goalkeeper has a really tough physical session. Yeah. It's it's got to be related to their game. No, from from what you're saying there. What what do you think, Chris? Yeah, definitely. I think, and as well, it, it's a big. It depends on, obviously, the time of year as well. You know, as I say, if you have a block of of preseason, um, I don't know, sixty eight weeks, whatever, or if it's in lockdown, it's just eight months. Um, you can you can work on you can it can be that wee bit tougher. But if it's if it's going by week to week, you know, you're depending on what's went on. He may have had a really tough game on the Sunday as well. I think it's just liaison with the, the different sort of staff in the background as well, you know, asking of the kind of knock, you know, hold on, he's kicked 20, 30 balls on Sunday. Are we giving him, you know, maybe 48 hours to recover here and quad gets torn and you have a match the next week. So I think um, just those wee conversations are, are vital as well. But um, definitely there's a, there's a time and a place where you can, I think even mentally, you know, even I used to enjoy just, I knew when I was being tested too, like, you know, I think there's a time where you know what you can sort of get out, what sort of character you're working with here too. Mm-hmm. Where can you push them? Where can you sort of, you know, probe them and prod them and, uh, you know, how far you can you can take them? And I think that's that's part of the position too, because as I said earlier, you're an individual in a in a team game. And I think being sort of mentally, mentally strong, mentally tuned in and, um, you know that 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 will pay dividends, but obviously the more you're moving closer to games, it obviously it'll be more it'll be more tailored. But um, yeah, just a, I think again it comes it comes from the top. What sort of manager you have? You might you might have someone um, where Liam used to work. You know, military based, and you, you might be in for a rough time. Like <laughs> so, um, just depends as well. Like, but um, no, it was a good good question. Like. Yeah, like you said, you guys both said there, it, it, it depends on what type of what time of the year it is and also what that individual needs at that moment. Like you said, it might be a it might be a psychological thing where you're trying to push them a little bit more. Their aerobic fitness you feel might need a little bit of training. So it just depends on how it fits into the whole plan, right? Um perfect. All right, let's move on to the the, the kind of fourth corner, I guess, the psych psych social corner, which from for goalkeepers, I'm not gonna be very PC here, it could be the biggest could be the biggest corner. Yeah, it could be. Um, it's an old saying that we have over here in soccer and football that goalkeepers are, um, again, not being very PC, are a bit mad. Um, that, let's say um, a bit more of an extrovert, has to be very brave, has to be a special type of character to be able to demand off the, off the back line. Do you see that, the best goalkeepers having them type of traits? Or do you think, is that something that's, that's a wife's tale in the past? Um, again, I was just sort of when I, when I seen the, the answer the question, like if you go back years ago, like um, and there was a program on, on TV the other night, the TG4 and Shane Curran was on it, you know, absolutely mad, 
Mad. Total, total, total crazy what he gets up to, but it was it was effective, you know what I mean? You know, when he likes it, the other goal, goal, goalkeepers, you know, likes it, Paddy Lynn with Charlie Nelligans and, and, and John Leary's, etc. Um, you know, Lem, you know, I'm not saying they're all mad, you know what I mean? But probably Shane took it a step a step further for eight on different different things, you know, run out of the ball years ago, which never would never happen. You know, we're now it's probably something that, that would happen. Um you know, regarding today's goalkeepers, I wouldn't I wouldn't say anyone's mad, you know, because I know we're right through them personally and even knowing Chris personally, you know, they, these people when these people aren't on the pitch, you, you never meet a nice nice of people. But once they cross that white line, whatever it happens to them, you know, they don't they don't go mad, but they're just they torn into different people. Yeah. You know. I guess that's where the, that's where it's coming from. Chris, I mean I don't know you personally that well, but when you when you crossed the line and you played, like, did you have to have that bit of bite about you to be able to to do your job? Big time. Um, I think probably if, if you were asking a teammate of mine um, that question, you'd, you'd definitely would say, you know, crazy as a box of frogs. Definitely, <laughs> in my younger days, like I wanted to be involved in everything going on, and it nearly got this stage where it was only when someone actually said to me, "You're nearly commentating on the game," you know, I was. So I think just with age, I've sort of reined it in a bit, but you definitely have to have an edge to it. You know, you can see the top goalkeepers, I think now there, there has to be an element of just in those moments, a bit of, you know, a bit of ice in the veins, you know, in certain moments. But definitely even like Liam mentioned about earlier, like Stephen Cluxton in his younger days was, was you know, he was lively. He was a live wire, you know, um, I think as well. I, I, and it works two ways. I've had, you know, teammates of mine saying, you know, when they know, obviously they know me and um, but like when, like even in social events, like saying when you're, when you're like, when you're on one and you're always talking, you know, it, it makes us know that he, he's at it here. And yeah. also on the flip side, even playing with the county, I had county teammates from different clubs come up to me as well and say, it's an absolute nightmare to play against when you're constantly shouting you're constantly communicating it's it's nearly off-putting where they're nearly you know looking over their shoulder as opposed to watching where the ball's coming from so um it works two ways and um i think when you're you're communicating and you're talking it, it shows you're tuned into the game too like you know it's um of what's going on so it's um Ah, uh, there's there's a there's a few mad goalkeepers I know too, like you know, are <laughs> are borderline the monk from Mean Machine, like so. Uh, <laughs> so there, there may be some truth in the saying. Then I think um, I think you're spot on there. It keeps your teammates in check, doesn't it? If you're if you're if you're really quiet and it comes down to the confidence behind you. If you've got confidence behind you, then I think you do your job and you're a bit more alert and and you don't want to let the goalie down. You know, if if yeah. if you're very silent, then it can kind of it can be infectious through the team. Uh, those... It all comes down to ego too, Ross. I mean, I, I, I listened to one there, I listened to actually Casper Schmeichel speak about it and people say, you know, oh, he's got an ego, like it's a bad thing. And I, I think, if, you know, when you actually flip it on its head, it's actually a really, it's actually a really good quality in a, in a team for a goalkeeper. You know, there's obviously a line where you're not going to be showboating, but that, that ego of being really confident in what you're saying, your presence, how you're, how you carry yourself and, and talk and stuff. I think it sort of, it seeps through the team. Now I'm not going yeah. to say, you know, a high ball comes in, I'm going to take it on the chest and, and ping it out to someone. I think that's, that's different. But I think when, uh, you know, when ego, I, I think even just in Irish circles in general, people think ego and think, ah, oh, he's this and that. Whereas yeah. if you actually flip it on its head, it's actually, you know, there's a place for Mavericks too. Like, 
Yeah, I totally agree. And I think in the in the line that I'm in, we probably see more of those. Whereas I think in the GA, it's probably not always been it's been the case. But yeah. um, no, I think you're spot on. It's kind of like you have a, a character to play in a way, and that's your when you cross the line, that's your role for the team. Um, yeah. So, a question for you, Chris, and then Liam. So, can that be instilled in someone? Like we talk about this nurture, nature, nurture kind of debate. Can you put that into someone at a younger age, growing through, or is that a character characteristic that someone's ha- that someone has? Um, it's a tough one. Like gr- growing up, I, I was <laughs> a lot of people listeners that that know me will find this hard to believe, but I, I actually was a quiet, a quiet enough child until I got to about maybe 15, 16. Um, and I think you start knowing what like what sort of route you want to head down and 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 what you're about. Um, as mad as it sounds, you know, we're speaking on the mad side of an extrovert. What's wrong with practicing it? Mm-hmm. You know. If you want to get better at something, practice it. If we, if 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 a manager goes to Liam and say, "I need Chris to be a better kicker," we're going to practice that. Or he needs to be better diving to his right or left. Practice it. Mm-hmm. You know, practice communicating. You know, communi- Even if it's in the house, even if <laughs> as mad as this may sound, something that I made it on. But even if it's in the mirror, you know, <laughs> it's like it it you know it's repetition. And then when you go to play, you're, you're saying these things and it's, it's just, it comes off the cuff and then it becomes, it becomes natural, you know, where yeah. you don't even think about it. Um, so it's, it's, it's like any skill. Like, I mean, if you, if you want to practice or get better at something, do it. Totally agree. What about things like bravery? And these are things that can often be instinctive. If the ball comes through and it's time to come out and collect and you might get hurt. Is that something that maybe is in someone or not? Or can that be practiced as well from your experience? That can that can definitely be practiced. I mean, you know, you think of certain times in a game. You know, even even in soccer, argue like where a ball's flicked across the net. You know, you can replicate that in training or someone. You know, where you you show juvenile kids how to block a ball. You know, it's that putting your hands at people's feet. You know, getting in the in the way. So it's again, it comes down to, I think, repetition, putting in those match type scenarios, and all it takes is one experience. Um, for that just the the trigger i think you know i i had a i had a bad leg break when i was 18 and playing gea you wouldn't wear shin guards and i i was it was just in my head that i was wearing one shin guard during this when i was rehabbing and, and coming back sort of and all it took was someone just to slide into me whatever it was coming out for a ball and their knee went right into my shin right on the where the, it broke and it was all right and shin guard went then so it's 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 just one of those things that you can, I think, practice, and all it takes is one just to fire somebody, like, and it can just trigger on. That's my own personal yeah, experience good, of it. Good stuff, Liam. What's your thoughts on on that? On yeah, that? Maybe sort of more more of a coaching perspective. Of, uh, we could just go back maybe maybe a couple of years ago. I had a I had a county uh, minor goalkeeper, absolutely excellent goalkeeper. You know the whole technical abilities, everything, but he wouldn't talk. Wouldn't talk. So um, something that I picked up through the through the soccer coaching was, and again, it's something I mentioned earlier on. It's it's me coaching the keeper for the keeper to coach his his defense. So um, basically, we put the we put the camera on and we'd um, film it from behind the goals, you know. And then we go back and we will watch it in the next session. Say right, um, Chris would talk. Say, should, what, what what do you think you should have said to? Ex defender or whatever it is, you know, and then come the next session, you'll, you'll find that he needs that. Right? I'm saying to him, Chris, 
come on, talk. Who do you need to talk to here? Well, right, the quarterback. And we'd say, right, the quarterback to move to certain places. And that's how we sort of got him out of it. And I met him uh, about six months ago. And his whole confidence has changed completely when he comes to playing. He's playing now. He's probably a bit like Chris. He, couldn't, he, 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 he does not shut up during a game. Mm-hmm. You know, but to me, that, that's, it, it, it's, it is a confidence issue. And once we got that confidence going, there's there's no limit to what this what to what this keeper could do. Um, I get into the sort of where Chris was mentioning the, the bravery thing, and you know, it's it is stuff that can be worked on. Um, yes, you will see keepers shy away at certain at certain certain moments, but then again, we play these things back and we say, right, why did we need, why did this happen? And then we, we replicate it on the on the pitch on the same thing and we and we fix these issues. It's, fu- it's funny you say about bravery, Ross, and it was just there as, as Liam was talking, I was thinking about it, watching, um, you know, Premier League games the last lot of weeks and the contrast between, you know, David De Gea, um, you know, last week against Calvert-Lewin, you know, he should have cleaned him out. Like, I think everyone was screaming he should have been cleaned out. And then you go yeah. back to Dean Henderson a few weeks ago, the ball was in the air and he, he, he absolutely buried his own man, but took the ball. Um mm-hmm. You know, so it's it just depends on the individual too, like. But I think just it's something that can be worked on, um, especially in GEA, where that you know, as we mentioned earlier about the sort of like Dave's around the post and all, a lot of it's in close where people are throwing it up and and smashing it out of their hands, and it, it may be a matter of just getting something on it, you know. And yeah. sometimes you you go home with a O'Neill's tattoo in your stomach or the side of your head, but it's it's just about getting the ball out of an epic sometimes, like, but um. And the ta- technical side just goes out the window sometimes. Yeah, you know, take him on the face just has to be done. Mm-hmm. T- totally agree. The reason why I asked that, I, I'm kind of on the fence a little bit. I've seen like academy goalkeepers come through, and I think it's easy to say what well, their personality maybe stops them from getting to the, the top level. But actually, on reflection, well, have we actually worked on that enough? We've done loads on the technical, tactical side and communication, but that that real instinctive bravery, have we really worked on that over time? And I I think the future of not just goalkeeper development, but every development is like utilising other industries maybe to to draw stuff out. So I think there on communication, could we send these kids, and it's easier because we've got full-time programme, but could we send these kids to um, to be what, with a head chef? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah exactly. Drama, you know. Drama, you know, that stuff where they can have to put themselves out of the comfort zone and, and yeah. thinking a little bit laterally to develop these these players. Huh? Yeah, well, you, you hear stuff of like the rugby teams and all now doing jujitsu and um, and wrestling and stuff like, you know, it's you, you take something from, from other sports, definitely, and the best managers and coaches, you know, you steal wee bits and, and make it your own, like, so it's, for sure. um, definitely, it's definitely something that can be worked on, like. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Everything can be developed and it's up to the us as staff to get it out of people, right? And it's just as simple as maybe earlier where we were speaking about goalkeepers involved out the pitch, you know, if you're in those sort of crowded areas, especially mm-hmm. GEA, you know, you're getting hit like an outfield player, there's a lot more tackles coming in that can maybe, you know, bring you on a wee bit in terms of bravery as well. Um, yeah. You know, the pressure cookers is the famous one, you know, the, you know, two to three on one person, you know, you're holding on to the ball and <laughs> hoping yeah. the whistle goes anytime soon. Yeah, you but... can't try and draw a foul or you can't give it away. You've got to do something, huh? Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I think that's the sort of way we have to be thinking about all players and developing all players yeah. and, and, and how we develop them. Um, last one in the psych social corner, and then we'll summarise up. Uh, we spoke about it briefly about the GK Union. Um, I'm sure you, you've all been a part of the, 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 it's not a formal title, but within each club and, and, and team, there's always 
the goalkeepers and the goalkeeper coach who get cast with the GK Union, which I actually think is really good. I think it creates a real good camaraderie and a learning environment for those goalkeepers. Is there a balance, though, of that union kind of closing themselves off socially? I'm talking about like socially from the rest of the team. And how important is it that the support staff and the players themselves recognise that to be integrated because when you go across the white line as you said there's if you if you haven't got the connection with the back line the midfield line with movement and it's irrelevant because you're going to be struggling so what how, how how do we balance that have you had experience with that liam and, and how you work on that um basically i'm going to go into the goalkeeping union at the minute is that like the relationship i have with with my goalkeepers um to me it's it's a special special relationship but it's it's a funny one because it's just it's like and the amount of friendships I I made out of it um, is absolutely unreal. Like they're, they're, they're friends for life uh, because of that bond that you get when you when you're coaching them and the crack you have with Seth. And yes, sometimes outfield players get jealous of that mm-hmm. of that bond that that you create with with, with keepers. Um, but there is a balance in it. You know what I mean? Like it's not always me and say me and Chris working together all the time. Like eventually, like that go right on to the, the outfield sessions and. Um, we'll walk again there, but you know it, it is. Um, to me, it's a special, special union, and I don't, you know, and it's it's. And Chris will probably back me up. It's 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 something that I'm delighted to be part of. You know what I mean? And I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to break it up a little bit, and you're keeping it close. I no, like that. No, <laughs> I'm going to keep it tight, um, but it's it, it is special. It is special for me. You know what I mean? Like yes, the keepers will go back to the to the outfield players and do whatever sessions they have, but. The bond between coach and goalkeeper to me is, is very special, especially for, for him to improve or for to improve. The relationship needs to be there. So yeah. it's very important. And I, before we go to Chris, I see that from the protectiveness that the goalkeeper coach always gives the goalies. Like even, <laughs> even if they've had a howler, there's always, yeah, but have a look yeah. at this side and they protect him. And I, I admire that, you know, that maybe the outfield players don't get that so much love. Um, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I think it's I think it's because a lot of people, um, especially in the modern game, you know, if a goalkeeper makes a mistake, like, you know, for example, last week, for me, like I'm not a Liverpool fan, but I think Alison Backer's number one, like uh, on in the world, like, you know, and for him to make a mistake that, you know, that that any of us could make, you know, make it playing five aside, and the amount of people that jump on it that um, you know, have never played the position, um, you know, saying what he should have done different. Or X, Y, and Z. Um, I think it's that's what sort of gets my goal. And then when you even strip it back to GEA, a lot of people that have maybe um, for the criticism, you know, don't know, you know, if you've, you know, if you have a Michael Murphy or something standing full forward, and people are going, you should be coming out and getting it, or <laughs> you know, it's not just as easy as claiming over someone yeah. who's maybe six four and whatever they may be uh, weight wise. So um, I think when you've actually played the position, you appreciate what other what pressure's on and you know the what I've said earlier there as well you're an individual in a in a team game you know so I think just it all links in well with the you know the extroverts and um you're in a wee one-man band and um yeah I do like it too like I I like letting the I like letting the players know all about it and you know know how important we are too like you know so it's all that goes back to you could make nine saves in a game and uh, one mistake, and that's all they talk about. Whereas a forward could make, you know, miss nine shots and score one and be a hero. Yeah. So it's it all comes down to that too, like, and it's the I suppose it's the pressure of the job and the position you're in. 
Yeah, so you took the words out of my mouth. The pressure as you go up the field, the pressure kind of gets lower and lower, but you seem to get the money end at the top end of the field where they, they're the match winners. However, yeah. the amount of saves <laughs> that the goalkeeper makes can, can win you a game as well. So I think okay. it's uh, they need the recognition, of course. Um, just a summary question for me, guys. Thanks so much for your time. You've given me so much of your time already. I've got just a summary question for you both, and then uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go. So, Liam, I'll, I'll ask you first, and then I'll come on to Chris. What's the future of the goalkeeper? Where do you see the goalkeeper going? Is it changes in profiles of the keeper? Is it changing in training methods? Is it changing in the way we work or the perception? Where do you see the goalkeeper kind of um, the player going and the, the type of training methods along with it? Um. I think the position will actually get get more important as as we go on. Um, especially you see the way it is at the minute. It's 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 the pressure on the keeper at the minute is is not the pressure. No, it, it is tough on them. But to me, that's that's going to continue. There's no other way around that. Um, and regarding sort of my training methods, um, again, we touched touching earlier on the 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 futsal the futsal um thing. I'm I'm actually looking into at the minute doing the futsal goalkeeping coaching, but. That I can because I, I find it fascinating the way they can the way they get in set positions to stop certain shots and stuff. And I think that's something you can bring into into the GEA to teach them. Because I has said at the very start, um, I don't get into too much depth jumping into top corners, you know, because it doesn't happen in our game. Um, so I think me, by me personally bringing that aspect in, it'll bring a keeper's sort of profile and and shot stopping capabilities up to a different level. Definitely. Perfect. Could it happen, Liam? I'm just thinking, could it happen in the top corner? You got to tip it around the post. It's it's not saying I don't do it. I <laughs> I do. We do go through the technical parts of it, and we do touch on it. But it's not something I I can tell them. No, definitely. No. no, fair enough. No, really good answer, Chris. Over to you. I think um, just the the modern day goalkeepers said earlier. Um, you know, getting involved more out the pitch. You know, we've seen it. You know, players. The big craze was goalkeepers hitting forty fives. With, you know, obviously the boys we mentioned earlier, the, the sort of top level of them. Um, but even even, you know, body compositions too. The the looking like um, you know, athletes are looking like outfield players. Um, I think it's definitely changing, and will change. Um, we spoke about you know quarterbacks and um, Mister Brady last week. It's I think I read somewhere he had Kevin connections, you know, playing at 43 um, and all the focus is on him. Um, and it, it, there's just more pressure with the, the game. It depends on the rule changes also, what, you know, the, they like to tinker with the rules. Um, you know, so each possession is, is, is valuable and it shows now that Liam Sandler, you know, the, the saving side of the game is, you know, maybe it is important. Obviously, you save a goal, you stop a goal going in, it, it's huge, but you know, in terms of a game, you're probably averaging 20 to 30 kickouts a game. Mm -hmm. So it, it's the big one that you're you're probably um, working on. And then obviously the, the gym side of things too. Um, you know, it's just a, not a matter of goalkeeper turning up, kicking kicking a few balls and heading home now. Like, you know, you have to sort of live the life off the pitch as well. And I think more importantly now, especially in GA that you see now, you know, I, I think when I was growing up, I, you know, used to love Anthony Tohill, midfielders, John McEntee, all these sort of big lumps out the middle of the pitch now. But I think now growing up, there's so many kids growing up that want to be a Stephen Cluxton, a Rory Began, a Nell Morgan, um, all these types of, you know, top, top goalkeepers. So um, it's, it's, it's really good. Like kids are growing now saying, 
you know, you can get in and ban gloves and ban goalkeeper gear and they want to be goalkeepers. It's not just, you know, the the, the boys that get, get the limelight for scoring now. People people who want to grow up and, and want that want to see that, you know, the the variety in their games at both ends of the pitch now, you know. I think Rory Began has scored over a hundred points for Monaghan from dead balls, which is insane for a goalkeeper. Like, um, yeah. and um, yeah, it's it's definitely a developing role. Like, and it, it was it was great to grow up, sort of, you know, watching it evolve whilst I was playing, and then hopefully get over this injury and, and get back and um, give it give it a couple of years of a, of a rattle too. Like, so that's the plan, Chris. <laughs> You're going to get back out, yeah. That's the plan. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. I think even these two. I, I, I was I spoke to someone actually the other day and. I've done the cruciate twice, sort of back to back, and uh, due to lockdowns and, and whatnot, I've, I've only missed six to seven games. So it's, it's, I haven't missed that much football. Like, yeah. So um, fingers crossed, and I'm still a spring chicken, I think. <laughs> well, mentally, anyway. <laughs> exactly. That, that's, that's, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Um, great points. I think the technical demand of the goal is obviously getting higher and higher, and that's going to continue to develop. But then the pressure the site pressure that comes with and the resilience when things don't go right in games and sticking to game plans and stuff. So I think it's going to be pivotal in, in future games across Gaelic and outside of Gaelic as well. Um, guys, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. I think it's going to be really popular and a, a totally different one. And something that we might do in the future, we've got some profiles, player profiles on the website for uh, for people to purchase. We haven't actually got a goalkeeper one, so I think maybe we need to invite you back and, and go through it a bit more formally, exactly what, what we can do and we can get that out to members and, and stuff. But thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, just if you haven't already, guys, listeners, head over to the website, www.dlysportscience.com. Have a little look what we've got available over there. Lots of different, um, whole heap of different resources over there from technical practices, from different possession-based games. We've got some goalkeeping section stuff that's emerging now with Swifty and, and Chris has come in on board as well. Uh, we've got loads of stuff going on there, continuously um, ongoing uh, resources and to be a part of our coaches' WhatsApp, which is, which is I think, from UT's point of view, is really good. There's loads of good info going on the WhatsApp groups. Um, so, yeah, please check it out. Um, have a little look what the sign-up options are there. Um, and hope you enjoyed the episode. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ross. Okay.